Hello and welcome to Holistic Health Chats, a podcast where we chat about all things holistic women's health and everything in between. I'm your host, Selene Douglas, a women's health nutritionist with a focus on helping women to heal holistically and live pain and symptom free. I'm so happy that you've made your way here. Tune in every week so we can listen, learn and be inspired together. If you are currently wanting to get personalized advice to support you with your nutrition and hormones, the best place to start is for you to book in a complimentary consultation. In this 15-minute consultation, we will discuss your current health goals, what you can expect from consultations, and we cover any questions that you may have. If you're happy to go ahead, we book in a time for your initial consultation, but equally, if you need a little time to think about it, that is perfectly okay too. To book in a complimentary consultation, simply head over to selendouglas.com forward slash links and navigate to the book section. Alternatively, you will also find the booking link in the show notes on this episode. We hope to meet you very soon. Hello, welcome back. I know this episode is going to be so popular because it's such a common issue that isn't really treated very well. So we're talking all about vaginal microbiome and all sorts of issues really like thrush, BV, recurrent UTIs, all this sort of thing. So if that's something that you've struggled with, keep listening. We're going to be talking about um, testing the role of vaginal microbiome in fertility and also different treatment options. So I'm joined by Jackie Lamplew, who is an amazing naturopath. Go check her out on Instagram. Um, and yeah, this episode is so insightful. We talk about uh, how there is correlation between the vaginal microbiome and the cervical and endometrial microbiome as well and how this can impact fertility outcomes. We talk about how Jackie is using um, microbiome testing now in her clinic as part of her um, work that she does with fertility clients. This is really, really exciting. Um, And if this test is something that you would like to organize, you can absolutely do it um, through myself. We use it through a company that we use called Nutripath. You can obviously order it um, with Jackie as well if you're working with So yeah, let's jump in to this episode. If you've got any questions, feedback, we'd obviously love to hear it um, and come over and say hello on Instagram. Hi, Jackie. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me again. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. This is your third time, isn't it? I think. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I'm excited about today's topic, but I guess before we get into it, just tell us a bit about what you're up to, what's happening in your clinic at the moment, because obviously you're about to undergo some changes. Um, So yeah, tell us where you're up to. Um, Yeah, that's right. So some big um, life changes at the moment. I'm about to go on maternity leave um, to have my third child, which is really exciting. Um, But as just probably like yourself, really, um, just absolutely love what I do. So maternity leave's never really 
super long because you're just always just wanting to kind of get back into working with women and fertility and um, all that exciting things. Um, so that's where I'm at at the moment, just kind of winding up my one-on-one consults for the next couple for months, but um, also running my online Conceive Naturally Method um, fertility program. So we've got our second intake um, working their way through the course at the moment. So that's really, really exciting um, to be able to kind of help more women to understand their hormones, understand their fertility and and um, really overcome their fertility hurdles so they can become parents as well. Yeah, it's amazing. And when will the next intake be? Um, I'm thinking June. June. But we'll, yep, we'll we'll see. See how you're going. (laughs) See how I'm going, yes. Yeah, well, I'll put all the links to that in the show notes. Um, But today we're talking all about vaginal microbiome, which I think uh, can be an issue for a lot of women and is somewhat of a mystery as well, I think. We've got some new testing and that kind of thing available. And I think also the information in this space is just going to change, you know, rapidly over the next few years. I think we know a lot more about the gut microbiome now. And even that area is obviously still growing and we're always finding out new information. So I'm sure what we talk about today in a couple of years time, we'll know a lot more than what we're going to cover today. I think it's really just in its infancy, but very exciting because I think so many women struggle with ongoing or chronic issues, whether it's UTIs, thrush, bacterial overgrowths, um, general discomfort, all sorts of different things. And I think we haven't, or that I guess what's the right terminology? I think at least conventionally there hasn't been a lot of great options for women out there because most of the time when I'm talking to women in clinic, if they have had that issue, it's been very, very chronic, like years and years and years of kind of try a bit of this, try a bit of that, but we're not really too sure how to help you. Mm. Yeah, and you're right, and I think that's because that the whole concept um, of the vaginal microbiome and the vagina having its own little, um, you know, special kind of bacteria is so new um but we're learning so much so rapidly at the moment so it's a really exciting kind of adjunct to women's health and women's fertility that mm-hmm. you're 100 right we're going to see so much more about it in the coming years and it just answers some questions and some you know chronic kind of illnesses for many of our clients and um, many of the women out there so Mm -hmm. it's I it's really exciting and um, I'm yeah really enjoying this kind of new aspect of women's health and fertility yeah it's very exciting it's always great when we've got new information and testing because it it helps to uncover some blind spots often um, when we're working with clients which is great so I guess to start with I'd love if you could just a bit of a general uh, kind of intro as to what the vaginal microbiome is like if that's a mm-hmm. new term to someone we hear all about the gut but what is the vaginal microbiome yeah so you uh, you're probably quite familiar with like the gut mi- microbiome um, i think we're all kind of coming to terms and understanding that but the vaginal microbiome really is a microbiome is just a collection of microbes that are 
in a particular place. So uh, when we talk about the vaginal microbiome, we're talking about what are the, um, you know, the bacteria or the microbes, um, whether that be good bacteria, bad bacteria, yeast, pathogens um, that are kind of living in that vaginal space. And we have microbiomes all over our body. So we know about the gut, we have skin microbiomes. Um, and so the vagina one is just what's what's living in the vagina. And it's very unique, the vaginal microbiome. It's very different to the gut microbiome, which is quite diverse. So we see lots of different um, microbes that live in the gut and the gut works better when it's got more diversity. So lots of different kind of microbes all coming together. When we, when we look at the vagina, it has very low diversity. So it really should be, um, so not many microbes living in there. It should be 90 to 95% lactobacilli species. And there's just a few, um, like half a dozen key kind of lactobacillus species that we find in the vagina. So when we, um, the vagina has what we call low diversity, so it's 95% lactobacilli, very little of anything else, that's a healthy vagina. When we have the vagina microbiome that has lots of different um, bacteria and lots of different things kind of living in it, that's when we've got issues and we've got a quite an unhealthy um, vagina microbiome. Yeah. And what are some of those signs and symptoms that we might feel or notice that would tell us that there's an issue there? Yeah, so that's the interesting one and I think why um, it's so exciting that we do have some specific testing um, on the market, particularly here in Australia and worldwide now, where we can you can easily test your mic- vaginal microbiome at home with a swab um, and you can get a really clear understanding of what's actually living in there because um, sometimes it can be very much asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. So our most kind of common, I guess, symptoms that maybe something's not right down there, I guess, um, is thrush, which most women um, tend to understand a bit. So with thrush, you tend to have a bit of itch, um, perhaps discomfort so there might be some burning when you urinate and there will be like a discharge which is white and what they Mm. call cottage cheese like so quite thick and lumpy discharge so that's probably um you know thrush is probably the most that most women are familiar with um bacterial vaginosis is when so thrush is caused by candida which is a yeast um, and bacterial vaginosis is when we get an overgrowth of bad bacteria in the vagina and and the symptoms for that again um, the increased discharge tends to be the discharge tends to be more watery and maybe like milky in color mm-hmm. um, there can be an odor so particularly when um, they talk about you know that fishy odor um, of the vagina, that's tend to be linked more so with bacterial vaginosis, um, and because of you know the vagina shouldn't have an odor mm. at all. But we also have to remember too, you know, um, there's a lot of women I see who are quite asymptomatic. Mm. So 
um, you know, I may run a test just based on their history um, or, you know, things they might say like, you know, sometimes after intercourse um, I feel sore or swollen down there. Uh, perhaps intercourse might be painful. Um, maybe they experience discharge, a lot of discharge that they feel um, is not normal. Um, or sometimes, especially because I work a lot in the fertility realm, we're looking at um, implantation failure for couples going through IVF or maybe um, reoccurrent miscarriage or couples who have been having unprotected sex for years but have actually never fallen pregnant. And that's when I kind of start to think, okay, well, you know, let's test this um, vaginal microbiome and see what else is there. And it's surprising, you know, what what you can find. And and these women are asymptomatic and have no no awareness that, you know, something's not right down there that's actually impacting on their ability to conceive um, and carry a pregnancy to term. Yeah, it's amazing <clears throat> that we've got access to that kind of testing now. And I think um, it, it's probably going to be a surprise for a lot of people that that is something that can impact fertility and implantation because I don't think that that is something, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is being you know discussed in the fertility space outside of say maybe when you're seeing a naturopath nutritionist or someone more in that area is that correct is that what you're Mm. finding yeah it's really is in 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 its infancy there are some tests um in the fertility world called an emma or an alice test where they actually are taking biopsies of the endometrial lining and they're testing the microbiome of the uterus because we've got the vaginal microbiome but the cervix and the uterus also have their own microbiome Um, and that is directly kind of uh, related to the vaginal microbiome um the to to get a uterine microbiome test done it's a like surgical procedure Mm. um and it has to be sent outside of australia to get tested um so that again you know is still in its infancy and there's some fertility specialists who do it um and there's a lot of fertility specialists who uh think it's a kind of a pointless exercise an expensive exercise um those kind of things so i think definitely the being able to test now for the vaginal microbiome, it can give us an indication of what the cervix microbiome's doing and what the uterine microbiome's doing. So by kind of improving the vaginal microbiome, we can have um, an impact and, and improve the microbiome of those um, levels higher up in the reproductive system. Yeah, that so, was going to be one of my questions, whether there's an interplay between um, is there any interplay between the gut and the vagina microbiome? Yeah, yeah. The gut, the gut microbiome is kind of like the master microbiome, I feel, of the whole body really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and that's why we always say naturopathic and nutritional medicine, our health starts in our gut because yeah. it has probably the biggest influence on all the different microbiomes, mm-hmm. our skin microbiome. It does impact our vaginal microbiome. Um, as well Mm -hmm. and so you know once 
um, definitely if you've got issues with the vaginal microbiome, we need to treat that directly. But we also need to be mindful of the gut microbiome. And in order to maintain a nice, healthy vaginal microbiome, um, we need to be maintaining a healthy gut. Mm. So, yeah, that's they are all just with all like anything in the body. Like everything in the body. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay. And my other question so, obviously, this Nutripath test that we use is a swab, but how is that different to say just getting a swab with your GP? If you were experiencing, say, symptoms of thrush, that's probably going to be what a lot of women do is maybe they go and have a chat with their doctor about it and then they're sent for a swab and sort of what are the differences and the, I guess, um, differences in information that we would get back from those two different forms of testing? Mm, There is a big difference um, in regards to what they test for, how they test it and how they measure it as well. So, um, probably many of the listeners probably haven't seen either test, but Usually when you get a um, swab test done at the doctors, it will they're testing for just a few different things. There's about four or five um, yeah. aspects that they test for. Like they'll test your lactobacillus, they'll test for candida, which causes thrush, thrush, and then maybe they might test for a few other factors, leukocytes or some other bacteria. In that test, it doesn't tell us the species. Mm. Okay, so particularly when we're treating thrush, um, candida, there's there's a number of different species of candida um, mm. and it can help, if we know what species we're treating, it can help identify the best course of treatment and it can also indicate um, how long we would expect treatment to take too. You know, if it's a more stubborn species, then we may need to work a little bit harder at it. Um, but in the doctor swab, it will just say positive for candida. We don't know the species. Um, positive for lactobacilli, but again, we don't know the breakdown of that lactobacilli mm-hmm. within um, that test. And when we're looking at the vaginal microflora, there's you know half a dozen of lactobacilli that are very specific mm-hmm. to the, the vaginal microbiome, and we need to know kind of are they present and at which level are they present too? Because if you maybe just have one dominant lactobacilli, that could also be making um, an imbalance there. So we need a balance of, you know, all those major ones. Um, We don't have how much. So they usually grade it on a level of like pluses, like one one plus, two plus, three plus is really bad. (laughs) Um, so we again, we don't have a like a physical number to know. Like, well, with the Nutripath test, they will tell you like, you know, you could be treating a thrush client, and there's, you know, candida species there at five hundred, mm. um, and the you know, and that's going to take longer to treat than if candida was at five. Um, so we don't have we we just have these plus grades, so we don't know kind of exactly how bad the problem is Um, and it's hard when you go for retests because we don't have that baseline value to be able to go okay yeah things are decreasing or things are increasing um, what have you totally it's like the blind spots analogy there's a lot of gaps in the knowledge there and I think 
yeah, someone could definitely be symptomatic and it could still look Mm. as though everything's okay on a test like that, in which case more often than not what we would see is they'll either just be given just kind of like a bit of a blanket strategy and just to kind of see what happens symptom-wise or not offered anything at all, which I've had happen with clients. Um, So there is a big difference. I think it's a little bit another analogy or kind of comparison to that would be you know, if you have, um, uh, you know, air quotes, IBS and you've ruled out anything like Crohn's disease or that, uh, or um, any IBD or anything like that, um, it's a little bit like being offered a PCR test with the doctor where they can do like your general parasites versus something like the complete microbiome map test, which is obviously a lot more in-depth and detailed as to, you yeah. get just so much more information back as to different bacteria, what strains, um, mm. how high they are, all that kind of thing. And it paints a bit more of a picture as to what's actually going on. Yeah, absolutely. And the more information and the more knowledge we have, mm. the better um, and easier it is going to be able to kind of treat that and um, correct it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, okay, so... You've answered this question sort of, but, you know, the people or, yeah, the people that would benefit from doing a vaginal microbiome test, definitely those that are symptomatic, but also, as you've Mm -hmm. said, it doesn't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to be symptomatic. It could just be that um, you are going down the fertility route, wanting to have a baby, and maybe there has been something like implantation failure or recurrent miscarriage, um, or we're just wanting some more information in that space. And you Mm. mentioned also um, discomfort with intercourse or anything like that as well. Yeah, yep. And it's starting, like I'm starting to um, implement like that a vaginal microbiome swab pretty much in the testing of all my fertility Mm. clients now. It's really, um, I think because so many women can be asymptomatic Mm. um, and we, we know that the impact that, the importance of those lactobacillus species have on pregnancy outcomes and um, fertility success that I I think very shortly we'll see it as like, you know. Necessity. Yeah. Yeah. Your preconception testing protocol. It's just going to be one of the, another one of those tests that is listed as a must have if you're trying to conceive. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great to try and get as much information as possible up front. Um, And obviously the, the testing costs can add up, but I think if you just are in a position to be able to outlay that at the start, um, hopefully it will actually save you money in the long run. Yeah, Which is another absolutely. way to kind of frame it. Um, so what shapes and changes the vaginal microbiome? Like why, I guess, are they all different to start with? and kind of what sets the scene there as well. And then we can kind of go into the things that we might be doing day to day, you know, more Mm -hmm. as adults that would sort of be changing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They are all different. (laughs) We are all different as women. Um, Where you live in the world and your ethnicity uh, impacts it. So we, we see, yeah, different vaginal microbes biomes on where you live in the world and even if you are traveling to a different country your microbiome might change while you're in that country compared to when you're at home so that's just a natural 
um, natural change that happens. Uh, it sometimes can be a good thing, um, sometimes a bad thing, sometimes it it's a doesn't matter thing. <laughs> um, so that will impact it. Um, your sexual partner will impact it as well. Um, and if we're talking about a heterosexual relationship, um, sperm have their own microbiome. So if we're having unprotected sex and we're also the vaginal microbiome is going to be influenced by our sexual partner and their microbiome as well. So, um, and the interesting thing is with males is that their seminal microbiome is quite set mm. um, and doesn't change so much throughout their lifespan. It doesn't change too much, to, you know, depending on sexual partners where women, um, they will change and adapt and mimic their sexual partners. So, um, yeah, and we can, that, so that changes as mm. your sexual partners change as well. Um, then we come down to kind of the big ones, the more, you know, the, the more lifestyle and the more kind of Im immediate ones and, of course, antibiotics. Mm. So we're, and I think we're all very good at knowing that if we are on a course of antibiotics, we need to take probiotics to restore the gut, but we forget about the vaginal microbiome or we, we're just not aware of that yet, but that's, that's coming. So if we are on a course of antibiotics, that's going to throw out the vaginal microbiome too. So we need to be mindful of replenishing that after a course of antibiotics. Um, hormonal contraceptions, because the microbiome changes throughout our menstrual cycle, depending on the hormones that um, are present. So estrogen um, and progesterone, um, you know, when estrogen is dominant in the follicular phase, the microbiome is slightly different to when progesterone is dominant in the luteal phase and it'll be slightly different again when you're menstruating. So um, hormonal contraceptions will impact it and we also um, see, you know, women with hormonal imbalances in their menstrual cycle um, can have issues with um, vaginal microbiome. So especially if we've got high estrogen levels, you tend to be more prone to thrush. Mm, yeah, and we would see that often when women are only getting an onset of symptoms at particular points in the cycle. They're regularly saying, you know, around ovulation, it all just goes haywire or even sometimes it's just before your period comes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I see those changes. Um, <laughs> just a quick segue for a second. Mm. I wanted to ask you about, um, because as we, I think we were talking about uh, the male, if we're in a heterosexual relationship, the male partner, um, his microbiome doesn't change too much. So in that case, um, it's obviously really important to consider when you are looking at treatment strategies that you're also considering him as well, depending on what's going on in that swab for her. Oh, 100%, yeah, because it's going to be passed back and forward and um and definitely there are certain like key bacteria definitely like especially working in fertility i i see a lot of um urea plasma and, and mycoplasma um infection so i'll always treat the female mm. um well sorry i'll always test the female mm. um but yes absolutely if there's imbalances and uh, particularly urea plasma or mycoplasma we we need to be treating the male at the exact same time and during that treatment um, period, they need to be 
um, abstaining from unprotected sex because mm. otherwise we just keep getting this cross infection happening um, and we don't get anywhere. But yeah, absolutely, they need to be considered in. But I usually test the female first and then if we've got issues, then we treat and test the male. Yeah, if, yeah, if it's a male partner. Mm. And do they normally do that swab through their doctor? The, the males. The males. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It can be a swab, um, a penile swab, or more often than not, it's a urine yeah. test. Um, yeah. But usually I will kind of write a letter to the doctor and say, you know, these are the findings we found in the partner. Mm. Um, so perhaps, you know, can you, you know, organize, depending on what we're treating or how yeah, we're treating it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And the the male's microbiome, so you're saying that that's quite set and doesn't necessarily, it's not as influenced, I suppose, as ours is or can be by outside changes. So yep. what sets the scene there? Is it, um, is it earlier sexual partners? Is it utero in utero like what how how do we get to where we are with them (laughs) with them there is going to absolutely be like in utero and Mm. you know were they vaginal or um cesarean like born Mm. um but really more so their first sexual partner Mm. will establish their seminal microbiome crazy that's just so crazy yeah it is and then that goes on to influence every other woman or, you know, or I shouldn't say just women, but um, every other sexual partner they have. So they have an impact on all of that just from, yeah, their first sexual debut. Wild. So yeah. crazy. Yeah. So crazy how that all works. Um, and anything else like from a lifestyle perspective that um, we should be conscious of or aware of to mm. take care of our vaginal microbiome? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest one is don't wash it. Yeah, you know, the the vagina is self cleaning, um, mm. and if you have to use deodorizers or um, <laughs> soap or wipes or um, anything to kind of make it smell better um, down there or feel cleaner down there, then that's a pretty big sign that something's not right yeah. and that you should actually be getting it tested. Um, so you you shouldn't actually need to clean the vagina at all, but the outside. Um, vulva area and labia just washing with water because the soap is going to kind of impact on that microbiome. Mm. So that's probably a big one because there's so many things marketed to um, female hygiene and making us smell like flowers and hot puree down there and the vagina's not designed to smell like flowers. Um, It should just smell, Mm. yeah, like a vagina. Mm. Yeah. Um, Definitely kind of your what you use as your menstrual products as well. So thinking of, you know, tampons and particularly menstrual discs and menstrual cups are very mm. popular these days. So anytime we're kind of in putting something into that vaginal into the vagina, we are we have the potential to um, impact on the microbiome. So whether that is menstrual cups, menstrual discs, um, whether that is sex toys or, mm. um, you know, depending on your sexual orientation, um, oral sex can have an impact, finger penetration can all have an impact. So we could be introducing um, new microbes or infections into that area 
So it's just about being mindful of the hygiene. So making sure you're sterilizing your cups and your discs um, regularly and making sure you're kind of washing them between each insertion because I think it can be, you know, one of the joys of having a menstrual cup is that you can um, leave it in for 12 hours or you can just dip it in the toilet then reinsert it we really don't want it to be kind of staying in for that long and we want to Mm -hmm. make sure we're cleaning it thoroughly between insertions when we're emptying it as well yeah and probably just replacing it as well I think as well every now and then right like I know that the whole point of well not the whole point but part of the point of them is that they are a more of an eco-friendly option mm-hmm. to using, you know, disposable pads or tampons. But just as you wouldn't keep, I, I don't know, like your, you know, Tupperware containers or your dishwashing brush or something forever, yes. you shouldn't be doing that with your menstrual cup either. You should actually be replacing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good analogy, <laughs> the dishwashing brush. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they... I also was um, listening to something the other day and they were recommending you actually have should have two cups or two yeah. discs so you can be sterilising them with in a 24-hour period. Like, um, Yeah, that, oh, right, like during the same period, sterilising. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So if you've worn sense. one over the night, yeah. then like if you've left one, in for 12 hours then that should be sterilized not just washed so put the other one in while you sterilize i don't think anyone would be doing that i think most people would be just have one probably and then Mm. would be using that for that cycle and then hopefully sterilizing it at the end um, yeah of that period i should say not cycle and hopefully sterilizing at the start yeah yeah we had the start but um but perhaps you know as we learn more about the vaginal microbe biome and cups and discs become more mainstream like this information will kind of filter through and we'll be like ah that's what we really should be doing Mm, um mm, to support support it all down there and then just being mindful of lubricants that you use um condoms as well that have lubricants on them yes yep and like no douching unless it's under um supervision by a healthcare practitioner it's you know part of your treatment plan Mm. um but yeah you shouldn't be needing to douche the vagina regularly yeah Yeah. the the less we disrupt it the better it is yes (laughs) yes yeah i was listening to a webinar on it recently and um they were even talking about you know in 2023 we're all about the active wear and the lycra everything and how that can be problematic in itself as well because of the you know the impact of that synthetic material and how that causes more extra perspiration and moisture and that kind of thing and it really changes um can even yes. change the ecology which is really interesting so i think yeah yes more. i'm like no i love wearing active wear so comfortable <laughs> don't do this to me <laughs> you think how many women are rocking active wear all the time yeah. um but yeah yeah and and kind of on that as well you know um there has been some you know these leaders in vaginal microbiome Mm. kind of um moira bradfield is one of them and she recommends replacing your underwear every year so throwing them all out buying new ones um annually and making sure they're cotton or bamboo so you can yeah you you can all breathe down there yeah 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 Yeah, which i think um is it's just those basics like I think it makes sense 
that we would want to be wearing natural fibers, but, you know, for a variety of reasons, we're just not doing a lot of that these days. So that just makes so much sense. And I think on the, just going back, circling back briefly as well to the lifestyle things and the kind of foundations, you know, thinking about if you do use things like sex toys and you're going down a treatment protocol, like they also need to be cleaned as well. That's something to think about um, too, that, you know, it's, it's not, I guess it's, if you're, if you have a partner um, and you're having unprotected sex, they obviously need to be treated, but so do does anything else that you're using. Yes. And also um, just like our undies, replacing them regularly, you know, if you've got a sex toy that you've had for, five years it's probably (laughs) harboring a fair bit of bacteria despite you kind of washing it after and you know storing it well so maybe even thinking about changing them out Mm. every year um to make sure yeah they're not harboring anything nasty yeah definitely cool anything else that we've missed that we can do from a foundational point of view um we can't go past diet either you Mm. know nutritional deficiencies are going to impact um the health of that vaginal microbiome yeah. and the integrity of the the lining of the vagina too. So things like, of course, folates and vitamin mm-hmm. D, zinc. Um, yeah. So keeping all that super healthy down there. So I think it just comes back to, you know, supporting good gut health and general health, yeah. hormones, make sure you don't have nutritional deficiencies, and then just being mindful of, you know, how you clean it, what goes in it, Um yeah 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 it's very exciting that we've got access to that testing now i'm um just starting to use a bit more of it in clinic and very excited about doing so because it does just give you a lot more information i think than we've had access to in the past yeah yeah and the thing that i find really interesting about it is because i'm not sure about you but you've probably seen it as well Mm. you know clients saying oh i just keep getting this recurrent Mm. thrush and i treat it it never goes away or Mm. what have you and then you do a um swab test on them and it's actually they don't actually have thrush they've got you know bacterial vaginosis or or even if it's not diagnosed bv it's there's another kind of bacteria causing mayhem down there yeah um so it is exciting because it gives us an understanding on why some women can get for example, these symptoms that are occurring month after month, they go down, get a caniston, yeah. use it, gets a bit better. Next month, same problem, do it again. And, you know, they're just struggling with it chronically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and to do the test and go, actually, no, this is the problem. And that's why you don't you feel like you're just on a kind of wheel going round and round in circles. Yeah, because you are, yeah. And hopefully one day we might get it on Medicare. I don't know if that's being utopian, but I hope so because that would be nice if that could be recognised and that was, you know, that just was the swab test. That would be exciting. Um, But we'll see. I won't cross my fingers and wait. (laughs) Well, give it time. I don't, yeah. yeah. You never know. We can always live in hope, can't we? (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, cool. That was very exciting, I think. And I think lots of women will want to go ahead and take this test because so many women, um, have chronic issues with whether it's thrush, UTI, discomfort, kind of like something that's unidentified. Um, and it is, as you said, unhighlighted, just such an 
important and exciting tests to consider in the fertility space as well because um, it does give us not necessarily an idea of exactly but that little window as to what might also be going on in the um, in the endometrial lining uh, microbiome mm. as well. So we can, I guess, overlay that into what might be happening higher up as well, which is very exciting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add? Go ahead. And if not, please direct us, Jackie, to where we can find out more about you and also your course as well. Yeah, absolutely. So just kind of add that what I want to add is just to encourage women to have the conversation with their healthcare providers if they feel that things might not be quite right down there or if you've been struggling with kind of recurrent symptoms down there. Um, reach out, you know, mm. don't be afraid to talk about it. And and I think, I guess this is such a beautiful um, podcast and conversation like we've had today is kind of just allowing more women the permission to kind of talk about their vaginas and their vaginal health as well. So if things aren't right down there, talk to your healthcare practitioner. If you feel that they're not listening, kind of reach out to someone who will mm -hmm. um, because there's definitely, you know, help out there for you. So that's kind of my biggest one. Um, and definitely watch this space because <laughs> there's so much, so much exciting um, research coming out for women's health and for fertility in regards to all that microbiome stuff. Um, yeah, if you want to reach out or kind of connect with me, um, you can find me on Instagram at Jackie Lamplew or my website, which is www.jackielamplew.com. Um, and that's where I hang out online. Amazing. That's such a good point. I think you don't need to be, it's not a taboo topic. We need to stop sort of viewing it like that. And um, yeah, don't, I guess, keep it to yourself if you are having problems because there is amazing help that you can get which mm -hmm. means that you don't have to keep going back month on month for that useless canastin or whatever it is that you're using um beautiful i'll put all of those links in the show notes and also the link to your course as well beautiful thank you so much and thank you so much for having me on today oh, it's been lovely as always chatting to you Salim. And yeah i'll talk to you soon lovely see you Thank you for listening to this episode of Holistic Health Chats. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a rating and review in iTunes, as this allows me to help more women just like you. Holistic Health Chats is not intended to replace medical advice, so please consult with your practitioner before making any changes to your current health. If you are ready to take your health to the next level and would like some personalized support, the next step is booking in for a complimentary health chat. Please head to selendouglas.com forward slash book for more information.